inside game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there, welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother, J.S., to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today, we introduce Memento 22, Xerxes 19, uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit 13. We are coming to the end of the story. The story of the King of Kings, Xerxes, 480 BC or so. We've been discussing men, women, kings, queens, sex with daughter-in-laws, sex with sister-in-laws, forbidden fruit. How much violence can one take? Well, it's all going to come to an end now because this is the finale. And again, as Kurt Vonnegut had written so often, and so it goes. Humanity has evolved by by means such there exist people for whom no level of carnage is beyond contemplation. We have acquired such an enormous capacity and taste for savagery, brutality, lack of empathy, and lack of compassion that, that there exists no order so bestial it will not be given. There exists no act so hideous it will not be carried out by a subordinate so loyal to the cause, so loyal to his master. Such is the ferocity of the state of humanity as a species, and it has been. The mad queen, a mistress in our tale, has now ordered her guardsmen carry out their marching orders as she had so directed as queen. And it's safe to say that from this moment forward, from, you know, from that moment forward, O's fate, the daughter-in-law, had been sealed. O was doomed. There was no question the queen's orders. There was no turning back now, just the traditional do or die. And the royal guardsmen got the picture. They knew their duty. There was no option. They had no option. There wasn't going to be a debate. No alternative suggestions were in order, warranted, offered, and options were not considered. Orders issued by the queen were to be carried out by a royal guardsman precisely as she had directed. O was to be taken away and mutilated as per the precise directive issued by the queen of Persia. The situation was truly one of those, yours is not to reason why, there was only the yours is but to do or die. Questioning royal orders was not part of the job description for those serving on the royal court. Their job was simply to make the queen's desires, no matter how obscene in nature they may be, come true. Her wishes were their marching orders. Just following orders, we live in a time when perhaps... 20 million Germans or so relied on this sort of argument to justify the torture and murder of millions of people less than a century ago, just following orders. The refuge of scoundrels since the dawn of time. But perhaps in the age of Xerxes and Amestris, it was understandable given her husband had had people beheaded for far, far lesser reasons and the, than the ones that the queen had ordered. 
You know, the gruesome mission was to be carried out per instruction. Mutilation completed. And then O's body parts were delivered to the queen as per, per explicit instructions to have done so. Now was not the time that Queen Amestris would call off the dogs. No, no. Now was the time that Amestris called for the dogs. Why? Because Queen Amestris then fed O's body parts, her daughter-in-law's body parts, to those dogs. But hey, this is 2023. Who are we to judge? It was a different culture. Times were different. There are different values. Diversity, equity, inclusion is one of our highest values, right? We must be more tolerant, more accepting, more forgiving of other people's cultures, values, um, mores, traditions. You know, we're white, Western, patriarchal. Sense of right and wrong? Who are we to judge? This is, and by the way, this is the thinking that prevails in 2023. And to think I have wasted so much time thinking about what a hater the angry librarian Elizabeth Warren is when there was a queen, a mistress, and her story of O out there to think about. Anyway. As, as great philosopher, uh, you know, New York Yankee catcher Yogi Berra so eloquently suggested one time, it ain't over till it's over. And, and in this story, it's not over yet. We may wish this horror story be over, but alas, there's more to the story. And it's not over yet anyway. So step number 12 on Xerxes' path to perdition. You know, as the Beatles once say, that long and winding road. Well, we've taken that long and winding road. So here we are. Masistes, Xerxes' brother, has, has learned what has happened to his beloved wife, O. And rightfully, I think, he has lost his mind. And who wouldn't? He was horrified by the injustice. And who could blame him? His poor wife. Mas, you know, Masistes definitely was not of the mindset of... Um, uh, the, the Hollies, who who later, you know, 2,500 years later, you know, made a hit song uh, uh, in 1969, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. No, no, no. Quite correctly, Masistes knew this order to mutilate his wife would not and could not have been issued had Xerxes been man enough to, to control his mad, malicious, evil queen wife. But Xerxes... Ever was a weak man. And he had not tried. Never tried to stop his wife. He just stood back and let his wife order this atrocity to befall a completely innocent woman, the wife of Mesistes. And now Mesistes had no choice left to him but to take matters into his own hands. The queen would pay. Oh, she was going to pay. There was no doubt about that. But an ancient fisherman's saying applies really the fish stinks from the head and the head was no less than that head belonging to the king the king of kings whom sat back and let it all happen honor now demanded that masistes take down his brother xerxes had to go and 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 to go first would would be the queen 
And Mecistes was determined to set things right. Well, at, at least as right as things might be, right? His wife had already been, you know, oh, had already been mutilated, tortured, be horribly, beyond words, you know, killed on the orders of his brother's cruel, mad wife for no rational, no discernible reason whatsoever. Masistes' brother Xerxes had done nothing to, and he was king, to prevent O's from being slaughtered, butchered under the direct orders issued by the king's cruel, mad wife. And yet the king had done, he hadn't done anything as much as, as blink an eye. You know, more than two millennia later, it was Edmund Burke, the Anglo-Irish statesman, whom would write so eloquently, the only good thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And in fact, Xerxes was far from innocent in the matter. He had betrayed O, whom he knew, he personally knew, was guilty of nothing. She had shunned his advances. Xerxes was simply afraid of his wife's uncontrollable wrath. Oh, this weakling. He had permitted it to take place, all take place under the guise of, you know, some ancient Persian birthday tradition to grant his wife, Queen, her, queen, her birthday wishes, when in reality, Xerxes was a total coward and afraid of angering her further now that you know he suspected that she suspected she knew full well he'd been diddling her daughter their daughter-in-law and and such obsequious behavior of a king to a queen of a man to a woman of anybody to anybody it's it's so bad a look and it's such a very bad look in a king but Mesistes. He wasn't afraid of the queen now. No, 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 no. Masistes had lost his wife, but that didn't mean he'd be denied that, you know, his ferocious measure of revenge, avenge his wife's inconceivably cruel death. That the death, that death most attributable to his brother's doing. He could have prevented it, but chose not to do anything to prevent the atrocity. And, and Masistes, he was bound, he, he was committed to make Xerxes pay for that inaction. Then, only after Xerxes was put down, would he turn his full, full attention to exacting the revenge the wicked, maniacal, cruel, homicidal maniac of a queen who given the order to murder, oh, she'd get what she deserved. As he ultimately saw fit, and how he saw fit, and when he saw fit. Whew, it's a little scary there. Masisti didn't need, didn't need now to rush to judgment as, as to the means and methods by which this queen would meet her ugly demise. It's best that that concept, means and methods, gestate, fester for the time being as whatever her fate might be. The passage of time would only make it far worse. You know, the craving to see a master suffer, 
It, it was best. Masistis left that to incubate as, as if it were a virus in a Petri dish, you know, something more awful as, as in a punishment of the boats. Oh, that's a horrible ancient punishment. You know, it was, it was bound, something bad, something worse, something really awful was bound to occur to him as time marched on. Sweet would be that taste of revenge. Mazisti, uh, he, he thought, you know, it's best to, to let that marinate. Fixating on the hideous fate that awaited that mad queen, the, the horrendous torments Mazistis would impose upon the queen would be far worse than the torments to which she had subjected O. And, and that was only right, Mazistis concluded. Um, it might be best that those horrors you know, be imagined, oh, you know, only through a glass darkly, if you get my drift. Yes, yes. You know, reading, you know, reading of this historical moment in time reminded me of a very particular moment of time. Um, when I was a teenager living near Chicago, and I had read a series of chilling newspaper accounts that appeared in the Chicago Tribune, detailing the story of two young men as it developed, whom, <clears throat> these guys are very unfortunate, and whom it, they had had the grave and terrible misfortune of unknowingly, unwittingly, having burglarized the wrong home in Cicero, Illinois. They had hit, you know, broken into, burglarized, you know, surely at random, the home of the legendary local mafia boss, Sam Mo Mo Giancana, and the lo and, and the local police begged through the media. They appealed to the burglars, please, please, for your own safety, please, please, give yourselves up to the police department immediately. You have no idea where you you are in life. This was this was no police ruse, you know. Uh, to, to have these guys come in. No, no, no. They were serious about this, please. They, they begged the, do, the doomed burglars, come forward now. Give yourselves up right now. The alternative to immediate surrender to the police, that the situation might, uh, you know, develop in a different manner, would be so, so much worse. And unimaginably more painful. This was certain, uh, you know, please give yourselves up. Well, alas, the young men did not surrender to the police. They never did, and they never would. Because about a year later, I read a small article in the Chicago Tribune. You know, it's a short, it was a short follow-up story reporting only that the bodies of the two young men um, of two young men had been discovered in the basement of an abandoned building in Cicero. Okay, so it's two more murders. Well, wait a minute. The story connected the two boys to the burglary and stated that police were in the process of conducting a follow-up investigation. Again, okay, traditional news. No surprise to any Chicagoan of even moderate intelligence, the Tribune reported that the police at the current time had no leads no persons of interest, no suspects, and further, that today no citizen had come forward with any 
information likely to help the detectives assigned to the case get closer to identifying any potential suspects. Are you kidding me? Who would come forward under the circumstances? Shockingly, the killer or killers were never caught by the police. Mm-hmm. However, the Tribune, for the benefit of, of readers and for you know, potentially for the benefit of future generations contemplating life as a career criminal or bent on burglary anywhere, anywhere in this in the greater Cicero area. The, the Tribune helpfully did report a few details from the murder scene that previously had been not released to the public, but it was thought important to do so now. And most memorably, at least at least to me, Apparently, the two bodies have been bound to a table in a basement of the abandoned building in which the bodies are found. And there existed ample evidence of foul play. Foul play had been involved. No shit. The dead giveaway of foul play, at least from my perspective, and I was only a teenager, was the detail in the news report that informed readers that both men's testicles had been crushed to liquid state by vices oh, that remained in place at the crime scene and, and still squeezed the victim's testicles at the, time, at the time the bodies had been discovered. Hence the Tribune story added, I mean, I think this is rather redundant, I think, there was evidence indicating the two men had been tortured to death you think so? Oh my God. Police the, the police theorized this method of death had been a message, I think it is, left to all future burglars that they ought to think twice and avoid burglarizing certain homes in Cicero, Illinois. I think the assumption speaks for itself. God, that must have been bad. Oh, by the way, evidence found at the scene um, indicated that the two deceased men had been the burglars of the Giancana home. Still, the police they never were able to solve those murders, though they were categorized, they categorized the deaths as gangland-style murders, organized crime. That seems to make sense to me. The killings were the 894th gangland-style murders associated with organized crime since such statistics had first been kept that dated all the way back to the days of Al Capone and Prohibition. And it was footnoted that none, repeat, none of the other 893 gangland organized crime murders in or around the Chicago area had ever been solved by the Chicago Police Department. And I would add, and for good reason too. At least I add that. So it was easy for me to imagine going back to uh, Xerxes and Mesistes, that Mesistes might imagine that he was going to inflict on the queen, if only he might be able to get his hands on her, some horrors once Xerxes had been dealt with. And Mesistes, immediately upon finding his wife had been mutilated, uh, O is now dead, he had nothing to lose. He headed off to Bactria in an attempt to gather forces sufficient to revolt, overthrow, and kill Xerxes, commit regicide. But as so often proved the case in human history, even in the plots of, you know, even the modern plots of movies like 
Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino or Usual Suspects with Kevin Spacey. Whenever one puts together a group of guys who are bent upon or plotting serious crime, there appears to be like a Kaiser Sose-like figure. And then, and then things go wrong and someone betrays someone. And anyone can betray anyone. And in Masisi's case, someone he'd erroneously trusted, someone loyal to Xerxes, or someone thinking it would be profitable to demonstrate loyal Loyalty to Xerxes, the king, betrayed Masistes to Xerxes, whom responded, in my opinion, as any king would in such a circumstance, and he ordered that his brother Masistes be assassinated. And so it was that Masistes was done in, just done in. Persian kings, by the way, often killed their brothers. So for Xerxes, perhaps, this wasn't that big a deal. Just another day in the office of a king of kings you know, ticking off with a writing implement, just another guy to be killed that day by his henchmen, you know, like Stalin, but he, Stalin preferred to use a blue pencil and just tick their names off. And it is, it is a well-known fact that those not busy living are busy dying. And as such, Xerxes, he got on with the living, and Masistes, he got on with the dying. Now, it was never reported by Herodotus, whether Xerxes learned to sleep with one eye open, or if the king ever found it fruitful again to spend much time with his queen post the hideous story of O. But from the other side, if you get my drift, if one believes in such things, Masistes might have found pleasure in the ultimate karma. In that, in that 15 years later, Xerxes himself was assassinated in a plot that had festered from somewhere deep inside his own royal court. But only after Xerxes had first been convinced that he needed to kill off nearly his entire family, which he did. You know, that 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 writing implement of his, you know, that madly ticked off name after name after name, his sons included, at, after which all that took place, Xerxes himself was mysteriously done in an unnatural death, if you will. Now, history reports that the mad, cruel queen, she lived long enough to see that a significant number of the royal family members met an early demise while she lived on to a ripe old age and died a natural death. And pardon me. And in that aspect, she kind of resembled Rose Kennedy. And so it goes. So that, 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 that 12th step in Xerxes' path to perdition, you know, Xerxes was in action. He'll order you beheaded. No problem. But facing off with his wife, well, that's another story, however. We all have our limitations, don't we? Anybody see some arbitrariness in this guy, the king of kings? Be honest, because I sure do. And as for the queen, I got to tell you, the queen, that queen, she scares the crap out of me. Am I being unfair? Am I being a misogynist? You know, suffering from incurable, always fatal, toxic masculinity. You know, one time, 
horror story writer Stephen King once wrote that I was scared nearly nearly out of my mind. I've placed I, I faced blazing guns in the hands of angry men, which is bad, and daggers in the hands of angry women, which is a thousand times worse. So let me ask you this question and close on this question. Was Stephen King thinking about Queen Amestris? Well, he might have been. He could have been. And that's the way it goes. And as Kurt Vonnegut says, and so it goes. Hey, thanks for listening to this long exercise, the long study of Xerxes and incestuous sexual relationships that never seem to end well. Bye-bye. I am in a far-off place Half of a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see Mother Nature's had her way There are mountains and valleys And beautiful hills Each vista something new And though my imagination has been captured my thoughts they return to you so can you help relieve me of this burden on my back there's something wrong deep inside of me or something I must like for I've got this worry you'll believe in must admit that I'm scared So can you try to convince me